Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Atari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who likes to gamble with increasingly odd currencies. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and don't worry, I'll take your money. I so I got what it was. After, like obviously one like, like the first one they throw down, the first scalp they throw down is yeah. unrecognizable. I was like, did he throw down a handkerchief? Is that a Right, right, right. Some Why sort is of, it? What, is it a bag? I don't know what this is. Yeah. And then, then it becomes well, apparent. Well, I mean, you could you could make it into a little change purse if I you want. I guess so. Uh, it's, it's because gross, but. The, history, the history of white men is terrible. Before we get into the movie this week, I want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you get access to a bonus episode. we got over 60 bonus episodes over there. So many bonus episodes. One dollar and above supporters also get to vote on what we're going to watch. I put together a list every month uh, based on whatever whim I'm having. Sometimes based on movies we watched in the main Criterion collection. Sometimes Nightmares you've based been having. On nightmares i've been having sometimes based on someone who recently died <laughs> that has been a thing that has happened more than once uh yeah and sometimes the time of year sometimes my need to watch a movie that i don't ne- want to think about uh sometimes <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of it's 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 very di- a we real have a very a wide variety a real peek into my psyche uh, mm-hmm. Trying to parse out why a list is a list. And then also, uh, we get to peek into other people's psyche sometimes because supporters also get to suggest lists. And if they suggest a list, we try to invite the person who, who suggested it onto the podcast because it's always fun to watch a movie with someone who really loves that movie. Now, so. I would argue it's it's still somewhat a peek into your psyche because you are the one who curates the things that are sent right, to you. Right, right. I still, that's that's fair. I You're still definitely get to decide sort of whether or not we're using that this, list. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. But all that access, uh, new episodes, vote, and the entire back catalog, that's all for $1, uh, which I think is a pretty, pretty good deal. Yeah, it is. I think so, too. <laughs> well, I'm glad. <laughs> a little above that, though. <laughs> yeah. A little above that, $5. Um, gets all those benefits, of course, and we also like to thank those people on air. It's for folks who just uh, can afford it and want to help us keep going. So thank you so much to those folks, Andrew Jarrett, Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen Goldmeyer, our current $5 supporters. A bit above that, we do something that is pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I got that printed up on a postcard, write a little personalized thank you note, and mail that all off once a month. We also like to thank our $10 and above supporters on air. Thank you so much to Adam Speakerman and Tracy McGrath. Nina Bajnak, Jason Westhaver, and Patrick Yako. Yes, thank you. 
If you want to see those postcards without committing to that $10 mark, you can head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost in Criterion there, and you can see our past postcards. You can purchase them as postcards, as stickers, as greeting cards, as magnets sometimes, and as pins sometimes, depending on my whim when I set up each individual page. Uh, what check marks, <laughs> what check boxes really, I click. Most of the time he just closes his eyes and just sort of blindly clicks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it is so if you're ever offered a throw of, blanket or possibly like I don't know like a pair of tennis shoes with a, one of one of our things on it, then you know how that happened. Yeah. Or a shower curtain with one of the postcards still postcard <laughs> size in the middle. Just in the middle Wouldn't of, it be neat if they legit like I, I think of it curtain. as huge, but I, I'm also fascinated by the idea of them letting you tile postcard shaped photos Ooh, infinitely on that shower curtain. That would be pretty wild, too, I think. That would be interesting. I don't think there's a tile option Probably for things. Not. I can scale I it. And, of course, of course, the postcard art would not scale no, to a, not well to a at all. shower curtain. I mean, well. I could reduce some of it if we really, really wanted to. Uh, but right. also, isn't it kind of funny if we don't? And you scale it to <laughs> shower curtains. It, it's it is, just a fucking is, pixelated nightmare. Indistinguishable. It is kind of funny if we don't. That's fair. Uh but yeah, you can head to Redbubble and check that stuff out. You can head to patreon.com slash lost in criterion and you support us more directly. But thank you so much to everybody who's bought something from the Redbubble store, to everybody supporting us on Patreon, and to you for listening. Yes, thank you. Thanks. We appreciate it. Pat, this week we are watching, I believe, our second Ang Lee movie. What was our uh, first one? I bet it wasn't Hulk. <laughs> It wasn't talk. That's true. Uh, we watched the ice storm uh, back at Spine four twenty six, almost a hundred oh, spines I ago, so a little under that. two years. That is uh, that is the nineteen seventies family Thanksgiving, I think, where it's like three. I don't know. It's what it's one of those movies where uh, uh, middle class families are having family issues yes, so yeah. i will forgive you for not remembering blending it, it into uh, all the others of the exactly that movie right 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 there's so many in every language imaginable yes uh <laughs> it is a popular topic to say the least yeah yeah it turns out that a lot of film directors have middle class backgrounds yeah have families <laughs> and are middle class yeah. so there you go yeah uh but our second Ang Lee movie is very different to that one. Uh, Ang Lee, obviously, you mentioned the Hulk as well. Ang Lee made a lot of different movies. Uh, this is 1999's Ride with the Devil. Uh, and the next movie Ang Lee would make would be Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So that's just, I mean, that. Yeah, no, man's all over the place. Of his just career like, is, yeah. yeah, it's so good. Um, Ride with the Devil is a, uh, well, it's called a revisionist Western. Um and what what revisionist means in that context is just yeah it's not sometimes revisionist westerns are called anti-westerns and i think that's not necessarily fair i think I, something yeah. like something like walker was an anti-western right right and i think blending uh, those two terms together as has been done essentially is a is a kind of a big mistake. Yeah. Um produces a lot of confusion. Yeah. So revisionist here, uh I think at least for the sake of this film, to apply that term is to say revisionist in the way that 
revisionist is used in academia in the mid or the latter half of the 20th century applied to history right it is it is the relook and the attempting to provide more nuance than the generally taught american history uh, right and 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 i get where that but it's also like trying to apply sort of a different sort of to a certain extent a different sort of sensibilities to to right. to westerns um that that breaks away from as you said like that because like they're westerns are weird right because westerns have a sort of what we consider a sort of like built-in sort of like conception of of american history and the way the world works and like but that like people hardly ever end up watching those westerns if that makes sense (laughs) Like almost every Western you engage with and is already a, a, a in some way some sort of deconstruction of Westerns. <laughs> like Well it's, certainly it's, uh... certainly every Western made within the last thirty years that you know the name of and every Western that you or I would really consider worth watching. Prior right. Exactly. To that. So uh, really when you're talking about you're because, talking about that's the because one. those are the sorts of Westerns we want to see. Not because they are the only no, ones. No, no, that I exist. understand that. But so. they're also the ones that get like shown on TMC and stuff. It, it it's right, it, like, right, right, right. At some point, like the thing that was meant for all of the people who are my dad's age went so yeah. alarmingly quickly and deeply out of style. That like it sort of it feels like it's a, almost a non-existent th- form, right? And 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 then the problem I have is that like and it's not really a problem is that like then all the sort of anti-westerns seem to now address not even anti what the the revisionist gets weird because it's like it's is it about history or is it about the form the way history is sort of represented in the film and the form it takes um, because. I would have a hard time at this point pinning down what like the base thing that they're like talking about is. Right, right, right. Like right. what is what is that animal? I don't I I couldn't really tell you. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure there are folks with more of a dog in this race. Oh yeah, for sure. Who could tell me what makes something like say the hateful eight a revisionist western versus a regular western um and i i mean honestly the hateful eight is just the thing in 1899 so like i don't even know if it necessarily is a western period but right yeah yeah it's just a period piece and that period is the west but it is it is as much a psychological horror film as the thing is well, uh, without an alien well, presence, that's of why, course. That's no, why, no spoilers to Hateful Eight, but there isn't actually an alien in there. My feeling about Westerns, and, and presumably they, I mean, again, I've I've watched a fair number and can't pin them down even a little bit in my head. My interpretation of them has always been, and I'm probably very wrong in this, has been in the same way I interpret sci-fi, is where like somebody crossed the genre and the setting tabs on, on their their categorization thing and decided that a, the setting and a genre are the same thing um like i understand that like i presumably westerns in their core form deal with the idea of like rugged individualism and 
because that's like the American mythos, right? That's that's the thing, right? Uh, that you would talk about when you talk about the westerns, and pres- and I would therefore assume from that that the difference between the two would be whether or not how it regards rugged individualism, how it like yeah. what lens it views it. I think I think even that is putting too much into it. I think ultimately the anti-Western or the revisionist Western is as, as set apart from the regular Western. The regular Western is black hats, white hats. Right. The the moral lines are black and white. The revisionist Western is one where you can have an anti-hero or uh, there's more nuance to those sides or the good guys do something bad or it ends in tragedy. So I think of... Uh, any of the Sergei Leon uh, Man With No Name films. I think of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, right. um, where they are ve- two very charismatic criminals as our leads in that one, and they uh, it ends in tragedy, right? Or <laughs> I guess it freeze frames before the tragedy. That's the Well, yeah, I mean, I guess you're left with the possibility anyway. that they got, I don't know, kidnapped by aliens or something as a, as right, a, as right, a conclusion right. to that. But yeah. There there are other ways it could have gone down. That's all I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> yes. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like, maybe well, all kinds they of options. Divinely became, maybe they divinely became bulletproof for, uh, for the next 30 seconds. And, and they, hey, anything's possible, uh, I guess. Anyway. Anyway. So in any case, Ride with the Devil is uh is a story of the civil war uh and it's more it's more of a civil war movie uh in that case um i mean there are there's there's a then there are than a I necessarily consider of, a western there are right? a decent number of westerns uh, like the civil war comes up a lot in westerns for obvious of course reasons. of course uh i would agree that it is it is so focused on the Civil War that, like, it's almost the Western is a bit hard to find in it. Yeah. Uh, As I think that's fair. It is a gang of outlaws. So I guess that's a Western aspect here. Um, and we are largely unengaged directly with the war. Um, so, I mean, yeah, most most Westerns take place post-Civil War, right? And that's right. another, maybe another hallmark of a revisionist Western is that our post-Civil War hero might be a Confederate. Um, though I think there are straight Westerns that have the hero be a Confederate who just don't engage with what that would mean historically. Right, yes, uh, but, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, on, on genre, actually, a really interesting comes, thing comes up in the Criterion essay attached to this uh, by Jeffrey Cheshire. Um, and he points out that it's, it's a civil war movie, but it's also a coming of age film, uh, for Tobey Maguire's character. And as such, uh, Cheshire draws a line between the civil war and the concept of America coming to age. Uh, which I think is a is a, a neat little ideological thing he's doing there. Um, I I wish uh, I, the Civil War were growing pains, uh, but uh, 
but within the decade after the Civil War, uh, well, I think there's a America. Big, America introduced puberty blockers, I suppose, well, I uh, mean, in, into to do a thing that I really don't want to ideologically pull that thread at all. But, yeah, uh, no, I mean, yeah, let's not go there. But like, the, meta- the metaphor is not, not good. Yeah, you're, you're, and I immediately apologize for the metaphor, but. Uh, all all change post Civil War was put on hold. Well, I think there's a uh, very I mean specific kind of person who likes to view the Civil War that way. Uh, yeah, they watched a lot of Ken Burns documentary. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> but like fair. you know what I mean. There's this like there's this there is a lot. There are a lot of people for whom they are who are content to stop their their sort of analysis. In like yeah. the immediate aftermath of the Civil War, like the, it is. I, I mean, immediate, immediate, like yeah, right, right, within right. two years, like uh, yeah, well, once is. we get to like carpet baggers, it's time to like wrap this documentary up and yeah. go home for today. It is a unnuanced liberal view of the Civil War, right? Um, and unfortunately, I think that this movie does play. Oh yeah, in unnuanced liberal readings of what's going on here which is beneficial that it does not play in un unnuanced conservative readings of the time period uh but i was i was really worried that it would uh in the first the first five minutes of this movie um i was really worried that what i was seeing was thesis statement and not defining defining the beginning of a character arc. So when Toby Maguire pops up and gives me a lost cause defense of Yeah, I the mean Southern it's not it's not doing stance. that. Like to be Which very is clear. also which is also, I'm pretty sure, for somebody in Missouri, out of time for lost cause rhetoric. Uh I mean there's a there's a lot I could be wrong there. Like it it is interesting that one of the critiques leveled at this movie, uh by critics and 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 people in the know is that yeah. it is seemingly somewhat unconcerned with the realities of history uh yeah toby mcguire is possibly the least likely human being in the face of the fucking planet because the movie <laughs> has to explain why he would be so staunchly pro-confederate as a as a as a german right he is a he is, is... he is not even first generation he is first generation like i mean he's right he is he speaks with a with a southern accent, which is f- already we're in yeah. we're in the territory of fucking ridiculous. Uh, like we, we he he opens his mouth like one time and like all right, well welcome to to ridiculous town, um, right? And then proceeds to be the least like a human being on earth because almost not not exclusively there's there are cases of Germans working for the Confederacy. Uh, yeah. It is worth noting that they are numbered in the few thousands out of the entire right. army for a out reason. Of, out of a lot. Yeah. That's, that's okay. Uh, one, one thing that this film will allow me to do, uh, in the first five minutes of this movie, after, after he's espoused all of his lost cause rhetoric uh, and compared marriage to, called marriage worse than slavery, uh, we just get so much, so much bad characterization for Toby McQuarrie yeah. in the first five minutes of this. It's like you are a naive little boy, uh, which I mean is the point of everything he's I, saying. I, That's what yes, Angley wants yes. us to, to know about him. Um, it it is interesting to me that he's the German-born son of German German immigrants. Yeah. Um, 
because that implies that all that his parents uh and certainly all of all of the people they want to send him to in St. Louis to get him out of the way are 48ers. Uh and as such, the Lincoln-loving Germans in St. Louis are are who he says he doesn't want to go see. Um, and that gives me uh, the perfect opportunity. I don't know if I've ever talked about this on the podcast, but I have talked about him, certainly to you, uh, to mention my favorite 48er, <laughs> uh, Joseph Weidheimer. Uh, Weidheimer uh, was the publisher in New York of a communist newspaper called Die Revolution. Uh, he's the co-founder of the American Workers League. He is a personal friend of Karl Marx. He's a 48er. And in 1864, he was the union officer in charge of defending St. Louis. Uh, and while patrolling the city, he would hand out copies of Marx's inaugural address to the First International. Uh, True hero. Is, he is my favorite 48er. Um, now, there were, there were non-leftist 48ers. Um, and we've talked about that in the past. We talked about that with uh, um, we talked about that a little bit fairly recently with uh, oh, what was the name of that movie about the the woman uh, who who had an affair Lola Montes about uh, the woman who had yeah. the affair with we the Bavarian king. That? We talked about Forty Eight because her her actions with the Bavarian king right, right, uh, right. kicked off one of the first revolutions, one of the first reactionaries, reactionary uprisings within the 48er movement. Um, so some of those reactionaries did end up in the U.S. as well. And as you said, there were a small number within the Confederate army. The vast majority of the 48ers ended up on the Union side, uh, being freedom-loving communists, uh, card-carrying communists. Um, but also... Uh, there were there were the conservatives. In yeah, fact, I mean, there, uh, yes, I mean, none of. Go ahead. Looking at looking at the history of my city, Columbus, Ohio, um, other cities in Ohio, including Cincinnati, have some pretty famous leftist forty eighters who ended up in their towns. Uh, Columbus. The only forty eighters in Columbus were conservatives. Were not. <laughs> All of all of the leftists who stuck around ended up moving right. within like a year. Yes, bear in mind, but uh, bear in mind that Ohio did have a huge contingent of Germans right, right. in yes. the Union Army. It, it, it get, I mean, it's complicated yes. because like, we can't paint like individuals within a group of as course, like of course. one thing. And like as we know, it didn't take very long for you know right. even as a matter in, of course, quite a few people who participated in the union army and stuff weren't really pro like anti-slavery in the way that like we want to lionize it. Right. They were right, right, right. Uh, they, and, and, and so like, but my, my point that I was trying to get at is that he is a German you, immigrant. He was yes. born, he was, he is literally an immigrant. Like he, I mean, he was a, a child, but like he, like he, yes. he has only been in the United States, presumably at most something like 15 years. Right. Right. His parent. He has. They have to explain away that he's been enculturated to the southern side by being essentially raised by this friend, this very unlikely friend. Like, I, I, what bothers well, me? Okay, go ahead. The real unlikely bit here is that this family would end up in That's this area. What I, well, right. right. The, the, well, I mean, yeah. there were people like they German immigrants did spread quite a bit. 
uh, yeah. upon arrival. Um, and and actually, they probably could have gotten away because there were earlier immigration waves, and many of those people also ended up being pro-union because they just also, from a purely like religious standpoint and stuff, it, it, like right, right. It, there, right. There's a lot of reasons why. Like, it's not we're not just talking about forty eighters and stuff like that, but. The thing about it is, is that what kind of strikes me as incredibly unlikely is, like, where it has a kind of, like, strange, noble South sort of rhetoric to it is the idea that this very wealthy plantation family would take a shine to the German immigrant boy and, like, raise him. Well, like that is this is I mean, remarkably unlikely. Class lines were incredibly rigid in the in in the antebellum South, like incredibly rigid. Yeah, yeah, that's uh... <sighs> yes. What this movie posits for both for both Tobey Maguire's character and uh, and uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright's character is that personal loyalty was strong enough to define this, the sides on this political spectrum, right? And not even, I mean, Daniel Holt is incredibly loyal to a childhood friend of his who is perhaps uh, the only white person to ever show him a, con- <laughs> a, a, a bit of kindness. Uh, in the first 25 years of his life. Right. Um, and he knows that, and the movie wants us to know that he knows that. That's why he tells the story about why his name is Daniel, right? He is a man in a lion's den. He is surrounded by lions who are not directly attacking him, but that doesn't mean they want him there, and that doesn't mean they accept him for who he is, right? Um, Toby McGuire's perhaps makes even less sense. Jake is has that same personal loyalty of friendship, and perhaps that friendship has led to some amount of rebellion against his father or something. Um, but, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. But I don't know. The, and this, uh, this is true of the Jayhawks, too. Uh, but the Bushwhackers, in particular, uh, are who we see in this movie. And the Jayhawks... And I mean, historically, not just within this movie, they really were just nine times out of 10, just guys who wanted to murder people. Oh, yeah. No, just... yeah. They, they, they are they are roving gangs in the in the because yeah. there was an outlet for people who felt like a patriotic urge. It was called <laughs> right. joining the army. Right. So right. if you joined the rebellion, ver- like the, the like if you joined this thing, this roving gang, you very clearly. Like the movie tries to offhandedly justify, it. well, well, we'd rather stay here and defend, like, but you know, they they give a justification. Jake or uh, Jack yeah. rattles off something really quick about like, well, it, it makes the most sense. The army's way over there. It makes the most sense to that stay here and defend east. our defend our territory. But like, yeah, that's right. All the fighting is out east. If you want to have any sort of impact on the outcome of what happens here, that's where you have to go. Nobody's fighting over Missouri because there's nothing in Missouri to fight over right now of any real significance or value, like meaning to the war. Well, but even but even that's not entirely true historically 
because there were, I mean, Missouri's the western edge, certainly, but which is where they the are. Mississippi River. The Mississippi River is incredibly important. Yes, that's true. That is true. But bear in so, mind that Missouri only like. Right. I mean, it's actually a huge amount of land. They're like, also in the reality. They're also in western. They're, they're also, also in western, western Missouri. Missouri. That's fair. Like they could have gone east to just the fucking river <laughs> and would have found right. the army, but they're not yeah. willing to do that. And so we, what I what I mean, like it's not a huge flaw, but like it kind of is in my mind because it it bothers me is you keep running into this like sort of stack of sort of fundamental like historical failures in the movie. That that makes yeah. this more and more sort of fantastical, right? You've got what 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 should be a a German speaking quote unquote Southern person, because his yeah. his dad is German. Uh, he would have been raised in a German household. He sure he sure as shit not, should not be walking around with a perfect. I mean, like your parents' speech patterns have an influence on the way you speak. Uh, he would have he would be perfectly fine speak you know his english would be perfect but right, it would, right, it would right, have right. that tinge of like his he father's is, accent is someone who's in there right they're speaking german at home yeah and he and, would be exactly and 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 he would and the idea that your parents would in cult, spend x number of years enculturating you to their value system and you wouldn't just rebel against it but you would literally in no way share that at age 18 like, because it's not, he's not just rebelling, right? Like, that's the problem, right? If it were rebellion, it would be a different story, right? Like, I joined these assholes because I was angry at my dad, and I, and didn't like the way he lives his life, and then now I, and you would almost immediately regret it because this is a fucking, in th- this is actually the most wild ass dumb thing you could possibly do, right? You just joined a bunch of roving outlaws. He he believes in the southern cause. He has been somehow. This other family that, bear in mind, in reality, wouldn't give him the fucking time of day. Okay? Right. He is from a, a first-generation immigrant, German immigrant family into the South, or into Missouri, which is, you know, the South, quote-unquote. Um, and, like, he just happens to be friend, like, the owner of this, hu- like, the child of the owner of this huge plantation, and they become such best friends that... Her, his parents essentially end up raising him to the point where they overwrite the enculturation that his father and his parents have given him to the point where he is a staunch believer in the in the Confederacy. It's and then they then they start rattling off excuses about well we got to fight over here because there is a desire to make them noble, right? And that is a problem, right? Because that is not very far off from sort of lost cause revisionism, right? There's a desire now, to make the people in this seem noble. We know as the audience, we're given the context that they're not because, like, they're defending slavery. And, like, Ang Lee knows that and the movie knows that. And so, but they're, like, kind of written off as being just, like, childish about it. They are. Right. They are childish about it. And I think I think that's the point of the movie, that they're childish about it because... They they're not bringing any sort of nuanced view to this. They are bringing only personal loyalty, right? And and this is true of of everyone involved. Um, and it's you know loyalty to friends, loyalty to uh, 
family ideologies in some cases, uh, universally the Southern cases that we see, uh, the Confederate cases that we see. Um, and it's, it's significantly less of a loyalty to an idea of a way of life or anything. Well, none of, none, yes. none of the people... And no, right? Holt, Holt, Holt is the only formerly enslaved person we meet as a character. Right. And uh, there are other black workers at, like, the big camp who are presumably enslaved. Yes. Uh, but we don't have any, none of our white characters own slaves. None of them are slavers themselves. Well, that's um, not true. Is it? Jack I mean, is, a, is the son the of a plantation owner. Right, but do we see any? No, yeah, but we, uh, we don't have to people. see them that's, on screen that's to what know I mean. what Jackie is. Yeah. And Jackie is uh, one of the main characters, like for right, most of right, the movie, right. right? No, that's fair. And that's is fair. the reason why um, why Jake is in the is in many ways the reason why Jake is in the in the in the fight, right? Right, right. It's absolutely the reason why. Well, Jake's, it's debatable, right? Because Jake's, Jake also Jake's, espouses those ideologies and, and gets but a little But it, it is Jake's loyalty to Jack is the reason he espouses those things. And ultimately, it is, it is this loyalty to friends that is the reason all of them sign up for, uh, what's it, Quintel's or, or Quantrill's raid on Lawrence and Quantrill's well, yeah, raid on Lawrence in this movie. About it. Yes. Quantrill's raid on Lawrence is one hundred percent uh the war is hell and everything you believe in is bad version of this that this movie that's what this movie this movie does not want us to think that anyone who participated uh in Quantrill's rage or Quantrill's raid is good. Lawrence Massacre right. is a massacre. And we know that. Uh, historically, we know <laughs> that's all bad. Uh, so the people who come out the other side of the Lawrence Raid in this movie are the people for whom seeing what happened at Lawrence was the wake-up call. Well, for yeah, for our main characters, yes. For our main characters, who are the only ones we want, who are the only ones the rest of the movie is interested in uh, considering us, uh, <laughs> for our main characters, who are the only ones in the rest of the movie that the movie is interested in telling us are noble people. Right, and and I get well. I with I don't the know that possible the movie exception goes to the, like goes to the extent of with the possible exception of the people, very end. Well, they are they are nobleized in that point. Your argument was that the whole movie is trying no, to tell us that these people are noble. No, my argument is that almost period. more, way more than fifty percent <laughs> of the movie is <laughs> right. is is a sort of gla- like not glamorization, but like, and I understand I think, that it, that it has a twist to it. But bear in mind that the things they go through don't upend any of their ideological beliefs as much as just alter their perception of their place in the war. Toby Maguire's character has no personal political beliefs. He only has personal loyalty that he espouses, and then that inhabits his his political beliefs, which is its own critique of the character. Uh, but what what Lawrence causes is that he is no longer personally loyal to uh, 
Jack, well, obviously Jack is dead by that point, but he's no longer personally loyal to Jack and the people like Jack that he had felt loyalty to prior. And he has, he has become loyal through friendship with, to Daniel Holt. Right. Uh, and Daniel Holt no longer has the anchor of his friendship with George Clyde after Lawrence. Uh, and therefore, they both are free to go be free uh, in California, which is well, or or Texas, its own little well. grapes of wrath thing, or Texas, or where, wherever they end up. Well, I mean, Daniel's um, in theory headed towards Texas because he Daniel, yes, Daniel has is a, looking has for a, his mother, right? Yeah, Daniel has a like Daniel legitimately well. Daniel has a sequel hook, is yes. what Daniel has. Daniel has a um, legitimately considered like personal stake in what's but, to come in that sense that like. But, Tim McGuire's character essentially kind of never really does. I mean, he has a family right, now, right, 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 uh, which yes. is always kind of a good shorthand for like, oh, I've, I've, I've got their stakes now. Yeah, I've got, I got to. But of course, this. plenty, plenty of Southern men had families, right? Uh, <laughs> almost all of them. Um, but I mean, the very title "Ride with the Devil" implies a moral, uh, a moral judgment on the ideologies that these people are riding under. Well, um, yeah, okay. So, yes and no. I I there's a way you can re- I there's a way to understand ride with the devil that doesn't necessarily imply that what is being that they are it's probably more of a re- regard for like the idea of like war than like a moral judgment in that sense. I would say just from like sort of title design. Like ride with the devil is probably not talking about the other people they're riding with as much as it is the idea that like this this action that they're undertaking is a is a sort of uh hellscape like that you're that like doing this like i think that's more of a sort of a kind of commentary on the the lawrence kansas thing than anything else in the sense that like that's when you find out quote unquote war is hell right um yeah but i also i also think that there is a particular devil in that title of william contrail uh the leader of the Lawrence raid as being, as being the devil. Yeah. I mean, that's possible. Uh, like, but again, like it, it, like, and I understand that the, the Lawrence Kansas thing is a, is a turning point for the character and all. And I get, I get all that. Um, and, and you're right to say that I just doubt how effective it is with regards to like the way it engages with the rest of the character arc up until then. Um, I don't know how to describe it. Like we, we, it's not like I think it's doing a bad job. I just think that, like, in the grand scheme of things, I think it does a only passably good job of that. Uh, like, we we kind of like we go through this the Lawrence Kansas thing, and and you know they learn they like you know we have to like view Daniel and and you know Holt and uh, Jake. Com- almost completely separately. We have to like view them separately. Like, they spend the time together there, but like they're going through w- their characters are going through wildly different experiences, like just wildly different, right? Um, and I would say that Dan- that Holt's, you know, Holt's storyline is much more effective for what I think Ainley is trying to go for, right? And right. the problem is he's but- not the main character in as much as as. What I mean is, I feel like we have a classic problem for me, which is like we pointed the camera at the wrong character. Right, right. You hate that. Um, 
And I get that you hate that. And this really is the the emotional through line of the story and the ideological through line of the story uh, is much better inhabited in Holt. Yeah, than it just is. In, yeah. Than in Duchy. Um, and that's 100% true. Absolutely. Uh, and it's unfortunate that we, we well, spend I, so much time not knowing Holt. Right. Uh, because, yeah. We only learn because Holt we, through, we want Jake through Jake yeah. and, and like but, and through Jake's f- sort of flawed conception of him. Right. I think, I think for better or worse, uh, our script also wants us to draw parallels to the experience of Jake as outsider and Holtz, Holtz, okay. Jake is a child. Yeah. 100%. And Jake's, Jake's ideologies are childish ideologies. So I do not, I do not want to put conscious choice onto Jake that I know the movie wants us to know that Daniel Holt has made. Daniel Holt, in telling his story about being named Daniel, and his mother named him Daniel, and it was so appropriate because of the biblical Daniel in the lion's den, uh, that expresses a pragmatism yeah. in what Daniel Holt is doing, right? That he knows that his best bet at survival is sticking close to George. And George is his dear friend, and he does love George, and he, he will kill for George <laughs> and die for George. But ultimately, he wants free of George. He has no reason to be where he is right. and knows it. Well, right. Uh, and like, and yeah, I mean, his is much more clearly expressed as personal, yeah. like, right. sort of brotherly loyalty. It is, it is it, like, well, his story just expresses that more yeah i understand that there's there's also this sort of a binding thing that happens in the way that like george buys his quote-unquote freedom and there's a lot of stuff like that what i mean though is is that like daniel like daniel holt like expresses things very in very clear terms like his character manages over the course of the story to express his position as it relates to this engage in this endeavor yes very very clearly it's very clearly articulated yeah what i wanted to say is that the movie wants us to draw a parallel with jake roto as the son of pro-unionist german immigrants an outsider himself uh and again, for better and worse, uh, that while he is not consciously doing this, Jake is in the same way uh, espousing the political beliefs of his friends and those around him as a means of survival. Uh, now, the uh, the fact that he's not doing it consciously really throws a throws a wrench in, right. in, in the works of of what the movie's trying to do. I think. But I do think the movie is trying to do this. I think the movie is trying to parallel Jake Rodell's existence as uh, a German immigrant, an outsider himself. And we get plenty of anti-German sentiment directed at Jake from from others in his group, right? Um, I mean, from the guy who keeps trying to kill him. Oh, well, uh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, uh, he's as much the devil they're riding with as anybody else. Yeah, like, I yeah. mean, he's almost, right. he's almost like... A mythological force and, rather than an actual. He's right. he's in a sort yeah. of classical storytelling sort of sense of a, a that kind of villain in the sense that he he yeah 
he's almost unknowable in his sort of proclivity for violence, right? He has no right. aims or purposes yes. other than seemingly to do violence. And the fact that the fact that Mackison is let go of at the end, uh, I don't know how to feel about that. Obviously, he's marching to his own death anyway, right? As soon as he enters the town he's going to, he is going to be killed. Right, yes, yeah. Um, but. Well, I would argue that I think what, okay, this is going to get real wild, okay? And I don't know, and it's really, it's always very hard. Like, Ang Lee is a, is a, fairly, is a fairly considerate, filmmaker in terms of like the way he constructs films and so like he he doesn't yeah. just willy-nilly like just do whatever right he does think about what's what's happening um i would argue that the re one of the reasons they let him go is that what he expresses is an an actual real ideology at the end what madison yeah. expresses at the end is a, a a thing that they recognize in themselves that it, that that he'd never expressed before right he was all about just killing he was just a an animal killing and now yeah. he is marching off to his death very specifically in a specific location because it is where it is his hometown yes. and he has decided that he will that his that that takes precedent over everything else and and I think in in the and while they're not bound to their hometown the way he is, but they are bound to a sort of new sort of self conception, right? They're they're bound to a a new way of seeing the world that they that maybe his is behind sort of schedule, <laughs> like he's behind everybody else, but he has progressed beyond being that animal that they were dealing with before, right? He now has a specific thought process that they can understand at least um that it probably mirrors the way they were when they to a certain extent the way they started almost um yeah well he's also this is this is magazin is the only person post lawrence though obviously not in the immediate aftermath of lawrence because he's still trying to kill Jake for right. for a good chunk of the third act. But Mackison is the only person post Lawrence whose ideology is not shown to have changed, but who is still shown to be noble. Well, I, I uh, don't I, I don't think it's fair to say his ideology hasn't changed. He was I he was also ideology less throughout oh, most of fair. the story. It right. changed in the fact Mackison, that he developed one. Yes. Mackison is one hundred percent the uh murderous uh, yeah, he has yeah, no he's idea. In, he's in it to kill people. Period. <laughs> right. Like right, he's right. part of the group that yeah. like just is like I mean, we and we're only told this, but he joins the group that's just yeah. out there raiding and pillaging whoever they right, can find. Right, 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 right. Like we understand. Like he's very specifically categor- characterized in a way right. to tell us that like he is not yeah. in am, this because he believes in the cause of the South or something like that. Yeah, I am. Uh, I am still concerned that in the end. Uh, he is he is the only the only person with that that background uh, who sort of gets a noble end. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess it sort of depends on how you you as the filmmaker and the viewer views a man marching off to commit suicide, right? Like suicide, right, 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 like right. a version of suicide by cop, basically. He like is he's, yes, right, right. There is, I suppose, there is an argument to be made that he is the proud southerner who has 
uh, recognize the inevitability of yeah, I mean, I think the union victory. He is meant uh, to and be as such as submitting to it. Right. I think he is meant to be throughout the movie, sort of the antithesis of our characters in a lot of ways. Oh, of course, of and course. and so they have found a new purpose that doesn't involve really the war in any capacity, right? They've, right. they've all they have realized the inevitability of defeat here, and have created new purposes for themselves. So has he, but his his purpose that he has developed is very much still tied to the to the war whereas theirs is not right they are marching i mean maxine right. could also do that he could just right. ride west he could let he go he could just go there's a, like yeah. a lot of people did that it was right. there's there are reasons could, for why the america america looks the way it does right. now that involve that he could, very fact like right he could become the anti-hero of a different western <laughs> right yeah uh, but but he doesn't because what he has developed is sort of the antithesis of their ideology, which is like this is over, but I'm gonna go out. My position in this is is still directly connected to the war, whereas theirs is not anymore. Right? They've left the yeah. war behind. He's allowed the war has actually consumed him completely. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, like I I keep getting back to the fact that like I. I don't know. Like, I feel like Jake's development and the payoff just isn't, isn't, I know what Angley's going for. I get it. It's just the payoff is just not quite there for me. It doesn't quite work. I, I think it's probably because I find Jake's character so hard to get a handle on at the beginning. Not because he's not hard to understand what, he's being characterized but like he's kind of like i think he's just weird to me as i I think it's also partially because like i don't like the way i don't like the way toby mcgarra plays him i think some of it's the acting i'm I'm being totally honest he still has a slightly goofy affectation right 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 uh it's interesting then to note that uh both matt damon and leonardo dicaprio were uh, in consideration well wait what year was this made uh, ninety nine. Oh, see, it's too. Um, see, none of them are good. It's right. too early for Leonardo think... DiCaprio to be in like Leonardo DiCaprio with the sensibilities that he has as an actor now. Right, but right, at that right, time right, right. would have been yeah. very perfect for him. one. One of the issues, and I think this might play into your problem here, is that when we first meet Tobey Maguire's character, he is he is in universe fifteen years old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't catch that in that or where my confusion came from to a certain extent. Because well, we get the only the only sort of placement on that is uh, very late in the movie. Sort of, I think, right before the wedding, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he says he's nineteen. When they're at the Browns farm, yeah. he says he's nineteen. I just I couldn't get and, a grasp on how much the, time has passed since the start of the film. Is the problem enough time? I mean, maybe less than four years, but I think so maybe, maybe four like years. Sixteen, maybe or something. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I get that. Um, that makes sense. That helps. Yeah. But like, I don't know. Like, it, it's the problem. I kind of, there's also kind of a, a sort of a sort of like hierarchy of 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 purposes here. Like, Jake isn't, or not Jake. Sorry, Jack isn't bound just by like personal loyalties. 
Jack is out for revenge and possesses very specifically the ideology that, like, that is the ideology we're talking about, right? Right. And Jake is loyal to Jack, but, like, Jake is a little bit, for me, a little hard to lock down because you're, like, you, and and the movie itself, too, is telling me, well, he's doing this because he's loyal to, to Jack. Right. And, and, and probably Jack's family. But, like, he... That, for me, feels like There's, an uncomfortable thing for the movie to tell me for why he's, like... On a murderous right. there's rampage. There's no, there's no, uh, there's Jake. Jake has no inner life in those sections right. of the movie too. So there's no, there's no inner conflict. There's no Jake telling himself. Well, the closest we get is like he wants to fit in. Like extreme yeah. violence, Jake will like make a face, and right, that's like right. the best we get. And it's like, is he the one who hides under the bed in the shootout at the at the first farm? I don't think so you mean the first somebody hides under their bed but i can't i mean when they the small group um when they have a shootout with some union soldiers at not a farm necessarily but they've there's the the woman and her daughter no he gets a son who's lost a leg no he oh he gets his finger shot off yeah because no he's 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 one of the first people shot right is that like his loyalty is driven entirely like and and it's important to understand Daniel Holt's loyalty and, and Jake's loyalty are both loyalty to friends, but are of a different kind and 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 right. and significance in my just, book, right? I just think that in in both cases the movie wants us wants us to know that they are doing this out of self preservation. Um and I think that is a stronger argument than for Holt than Jake. Right, that, and and because like that Jake up could have Daniel. just like it, you know, would it have gone all the way through the war and been good? No, right. But like yeah. Jake didn't like. I understand like, oh, my friend's family was killed. I want to help him, but I feel like that like level of loyal that that motivation feels like it would dry up somewhere mid getting shot out for like the third time. The idea Jake, that Jake, Jake sticks out as long as he does because he loves his friends so much is is I get it, but like at the same time I don't get it. Yeah. Um Jake uh, yeah. I just feel like the Jake we meet at the beginning would have been perfectly fine if if the family had moved to St. Louis, not just him being sent to St. Right. Louis, but if the family had done the thing they should have done and gotten out of where they were. Uh, and obviously there, there are material reasons why that is impossible right. for people today and people then. Uh, he has he has a shop set up of some sort, right? Yeah. Uh, he is a worker um, with, with ownership of something. Uh, the father, I mean. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, and then there's you know there's all the personal revenge like. Well, right, but like that's a, that is Jack's, a you know Jack's motivation is a, yeah. is a lot of personal revenge, right. right? So, so Jake joins up, and then Jake so, showed mercy on uh, Alf, whatever, who is the the guy who ends up killing his dad, but Jake's dad is killed for Jake's. Right, Jake. Uh, 
Jake, I don't know. Beliefs, we, I right. never get a grasp on whether or not Jake internal because again, we don't get a lot of internal life. Honestly, whether Jake yeah. internalizes that he is, I think he does. That he is a not. I think he because, does because he doesn't seem to like. It doesn't turn into a revenge mission on Alf. It turns no. into a him even further analyzing his purpose in this entire endeavor. Right, 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 right. right, right. So I yes, assume he's 100%. internalized it correctly. Um, yeah, I don't think he's acting out of revenge. Right, there, and that, but, I don't think so either. But Jack, Jack is out in revenge for the murder of his father, which is interesting because his father uh, is... The only words we ever hear out of fa- his father's voice are a can't we all just get along, no politics at the dinner table, centrism. Right, yeah. Uh, that... That makes that makes him it makes it great for him to be the first to die on screen. I am one hundred percent fine with right. that, uh, because this is a universe where that sort of centrism cannot exist, uh, and that is true to life, uh, particularly at the time. Um, but kind of all the he time. is, <laughs> kind of all the time. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, it it is but here. It is it here. Is. He is here. Jack's father is trying to exist. Uh, between two sides without taking a side. Right. And that is... Uh, and it's worth noting that is also what Jake's father is, to a certain extent, and that doing, is right. Right, right. Jake's father has stronger political beliefs than Jack's father, but Jake's father is still trying to exist between the margins. Uh, well, and, and one has to assume, to a certain extent, we with Jake's father, we end up into the, like, sort of the, 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 the trap that happens to so many people in this world when violence starts to break out, right? It's like by the time it gets bad enough that you realize this is going to get you killed, it's way, way, way too fucking late to get out, right? Like Jake's dad right. falls for the trap of like, well, like, there, you know, it, it's not really that bad, right? Like it's like I'll be fine. Yeah. I'm not. I don't have like I don't have a dog in this fight. I'll be, and it does last for a while, right? Like I mean, he's getting weird looks Jake's- and bad looks, but like. Jake's dad survives partially because he doesn't really. And then we right. see by the by the time we get to like some of those later camp scenes, you can see that they're just like scalping German immigrants too. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like they become the enemy too. So inevitably, Jake's dad would have been killed probably right. in this right. environment. Right. It just happens that he gets killed by a Jayhawk for being Jake's dad right. instead of by a bushwhacker for being German. Um. And in that regard, perhaps anachronistically, but probably true to life to Angley and his screenwriter, uh, Jake's dad inhabits sort of a, a model immigrant, a modern model immigrant uh, stand-in. You know, he's, right, yeah, he's yeah. sort of he's moved to this country. It is a hostile country to him, and uh, and as long as he doesn't, he thinks that as long as he doesn't rock the boat, he'll be fine. Right, and that right. is that is not true. And and again, you know, playing into that, uh, because this is a, this is written by a guy who frequently wrote for Angley, uh, and wrote um, wrote movies like Eat, Drink, Man, Woman for Angley, where he's also an associate producer, um, which are Taiwanese films, right? Uh, I think I think they both understand the sort of that immigrant story uh, in what they present sometimes, and I think that 
I think that's what they're trying to say with Jake and his family relationship. I, I really yes, do. I, I do too. And I, and I think like, and I think that to a certain extent, their interest in doing that isn't bad, but it also ends up making a kind of funky story just slightly because yeah. it it's so deeply feels so deeply strange in the environment that they've chosen to tell that story. Um, it, it, it's, I don't know. It, it like, it's a very valuable story to tell. And I understand like Ang Lee really, really likes the West as a canvas in which to paint these like store modern, like talk about right. modern issues, but like use the West as a canvas to paint that on. Like I get it. It's cool. It's a neat thing to do and he's and he's good at it. But I feel like this one's just a little he he had to reach so far to to find an analogy in the Confederate South for him to work right. with. That 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 reaching in itself for me makes the whole thing feel a little bit off kilter. It's why that is why the movie talks about, or the critics, some critics talked about, its sort of lack of concern for, for, for historical context, right? Like, right. and how it becomes off almost as mystical. And I get that. And if you take it in a purely sort of like, if you take it as sort of a like, well, I'm going to read this like it's like it's a Greek play, sort of level of mysticism rather than like, than like, as a historical narrative you know a, a narrative set in in a time in history it works fine it's just that they're like it's so steeped in the aesthetic of of that time and that place that it, it's hard to let go of it and sort of like ignore the things that feel weird about it you know what i mean like it, it's i don't know it, it it's like i'm not i would never accuse this of being a bad movie or even not being like I would even say it is a good movie. I enjoyed the watching of it. It just has these little things that make me feel weird. And not yeah. in the way like, oh, well, I'm just giving you uncomfortable truths that like, you know, make you uncomfortable to watch. No, right. They just feel weird. And you're like, and so it's like, boy, like, I feel like we could have done this just a slightly different way and it would have been fine. <laughs> But like because we did it, we have like just this little strange, strange little bit of like discomfort uh, as a result. Uh, and I think honestly, you probably could have just just had like Holt and a bunch of like side characters, and we probably would have been fine. But the problem is, is that if if Angley's one of Angley's goals, along with his writer, is to tell to sort of tell a sort of more a, a kind of immigrant story, a like part of his actions of trying to fit in lead him into sort of like this uh like like commitment of violence and a lot of other those sorts of things right this desire to right. belong leading these this path um Holt doesn't work in that environment not in the same way right because Holt isn't an immigrant Holt isn't no Holt's making pragmatic choices of a different sort of a different sort of uh 100% caliber that are that are Rooted in a very different like set of experiences that Angley probably certainly can certainly make a film about and talk about, but doesn't have like the same level of personal experience with it like something like uh, Jake's character would. Yeah, I do think that in 1999, Angley has an interest in trying to tell a story 
uh, where the African-American experience and the immigrant experience are compared. Yeah, no, uh, I think so. And and made to look similar, um, which they are. I mean, that's just, yeah. you know, uh, I mean that as, I mean that to say they are not being pitted one against No, one no, no, not at all. And I don't think so. he's doing anything like that. Yeah, right. So I don't know. I feel, you know, going down this path, it becomes very apparent to me that everyone who made this movie thought they were going to win an Oscar for it. Yes. Uh, Super uh, duper. Yes. And they super duper didn't. (laughs) And I blame it entirely on Tobey Maguire. It's not his fault. Uh, not not entirely. You can, you can blame him. I blame it on his pretty shoddy uh, acting. If I'm being totally honest. Uh, well, speaking of acting, Jewel is actually amazing in this, but uh, that's <laughs> that's a side note. She she's really this is her first like acting gig, and and she, she does really well. But um, but the movie bombed, and generally the bombing is blamed on um, production or or uh, executives. I think pushing. Uh, Daniel Holt in advertising Um. Uh, and, and there being a negative reaction to the portrayal of a black Confederate. Um, And, and in that regard, it's actually kind of interesting because that was, that was also a qualm I had going into this. Yeah, I get that. When Jeffrey Wright shows up particularly, not that, you know, I didn't watch any trailers or anything. I didn't really know that, the Daniel Holt character existed before I started watching this movie. Uh, but, but as um, soon as you meet him, your, your hackles yeah. is right. You go, yeah. wait a minute, what are we doing yeah. here? Movie. But, uh, but I was interested to find, uh, Kevin Levin, who is a historian and probably the preeminent debunker of the black Confederate myths. Um, he used to be on Twitter. I think he deleted his Twitter recently. Uh, just because it got to be, too I much. remember um, him. <laughs> I, I've yeah. not seen any posts for a long time, so it makes me yeah. think. Yeah, he speaks very highly of this film, um, because of the portrayal of Holt uh, as a black Confederate, but one in periphery to the Confederate Army, and one who works out of uh, loyalty, but is on a pragmatic journey. Right. To right. And, and, and then, and then it once the loyalty he's broken. I mean, he has a very right. clear journey where, I mean, he states ex- yeah. again, right. Holt externalizes what he is, what is going on with yeah. him better than any other character. Right. right. In the movie, you know, yeah. exactly why he does Holt, the things he does. Holt knows himself and shares it with us. Right. And uh, is why he yeah. should be the main character of the movie. And it's frankly, I think him not being the main character. I, I understand why people's hackles raise at the at you know having a well, black, uh, per, you know Confederate like it 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 is yeah. because it feels like you're right on the edge of like the very things that 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 guy has to debunk all the time, yeah, right? No, it's right. like it just turns into apologia. This movie very specifically isn't that. If right. there's one thing right. this movie is not, it is not that. Right. Right. So. So I think I think Lee's approach here is that he wanted to tell the immigrant yeah. story. Yeah. And obviously we're in a time frame uh where 
where we can tell that immigrant story with a white main character. Uh, this is before the Germans in the U.S. became white, at least in the majority of the U.S. Uh, perhaps there are pockets in the East where the Germans were already white in 1865. Right. Yeah, I, yeah but, I don't know enough about the history, but yeah. Uh, but, but certainly in this area. Um, and I think that that might lead to some interpretive issues in what we're seeing, because Ang Lee is right to say that this is an immigrant experience in the same way of, of perhaps his own immigrant experiences, um, because that, that outsider nature has not changed. But that outsider nature has not changed because of the concept of whiteness in American society. Uh, and Toby Maguire uh, is... Uh, white passing i suppose in in the context of this film right toby i mcguire, mean that is a problem no one, right no one coming to this movie sees toby mcguire's character as an outsider for being an immigrant as as much as the movie wants us to uh, well, constantly that, part reminds of the problem us. of that is their decision to so in order to justify him joining this group they need him to be hyper enculturated into southern right. genteel southern society norms yes yeah. Which means he speaks with a southern accent. There needs, he carries himself like a southern, like a poor southern. There needs gentleman. to be more, at least in a sweet, at least in a speech pattern. Right. There needs to be more othering of, of, uh, of Jack. Yeah, he needs to have Jake. At, and because I don't care how much you are, quote unquote, raised by the neighbor's parents. Yeah, you are still enculturated heavily, especially in your early years of life, by your parents. He should have German affectations. He yeah. should have German, at least somewhat of a German speech pattern. Maybe he's trying to hide it, but this doesn't give that right. appearance. This is Toby Maguire doing his does he, southern accent. Does he speak German to his father? He says, guten Abend once, and that is it. Right. He doesn't even code switch. No. He, and that, you know, that would be... That would be something interesting for the movie well, to have and the done. Closest I don't we know if a 1999 is, movie would have right. done it. And, but. And, and, and <coughs> the closest we get is he says, good knob when he comes in, and dad switches yeah. over to, to English, which right. tells us that there is a world, like, dad definitely speaks German at home. Let's be right. real. If, as, as most of the immigrants of that German community right. did, there's a reason why there were still German-speaking enclaves in America in, like, right. 1995. That I, you yeah. know, they're because they're German German language newspapers into the 1970s. Yes, exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah. and, and so, like, dad if, definitely. And that's assuming they German don't still exist. Um, right. And, and like, because he has, frankly, dad has no reason not to, right? Like, right. we're right. not in a situation where he's like, oh, well, my son's got to go to school and I got to, I got to prep. Like, it's not like, it's not the same environment that a, that a lot of immigrants run into in America now where like they they need to like concern themselves with like okay well I'm really worried about my kids and like whether or not they'll be able to get through school like maybe I just need to start using English at home so that they can like cuz like very bad schools and very, with very bad ideas tell parents to do that all the time in America right. now and He's just not in a position where because there's nobody really to tell him what to do. He owns a store or he works on a store. He presumes that his son will also probably carry on that activity. Right, right, there's right, no reason right. like his son clearly will learn English has learned English anyway. Like it's just weird that he's this weird enigma. And I think that's part of the problem you're getting at is that like he's not 
the movie tells us in no way other than the way other people regard him from time to time that he is an immigrant. Right. And that's not even all that universal. Uh, and and it's mostly tied up in uh, Mackeson. Yeah, right? it's, it's specifically done uh, by the one person in the movie whose opinion is is denoted right. to be specifically <laughs> not matter. Right. Who is who is if this movie has one specific antagonist is that right? right? Um, like yeah. all they needed to do in the movie is like give him and again he, like Tobey Maguire really feels like Tobey Maguire really wanted to stretch his southern accent legs. Yeah. Every everybody in this movie, even Tobey Maguire's character, reminds Daniel Holt of who he is right. all the time. Yes. Right. And not even who he is, but who they perceive him to be. Right. Uh they call him George's. They uh they do not acknowledge his freedom in their in their everyday interactions. Well, with him. yeah, and it's not even clear yeah. like whether or not how much everybody knows about the status of, right, of right, right, Daniel right. relative yeah. to George. Right. It's when they when they get to the camp with with the rest of Quaintroll's men, it's also uh Daniel is is fallen into uh a position of slave labor. Whether or not they why that happens is not explicitly stated, right? Uh, Jake tries to share a moment with him there, and again, out of pragmatic self-preservation, Daniel knows he cannot share that drink with him in that moment, right? Right. Um, but Toby Maguire belongs in this group in a way that. Daniel Holt will never belong. But, and here's the thing, Jake, though, is that Jake really shouldn't. And Jake shouldn't. And that's a right. problem. Jake b- yeah. blends perfectly into this group, except for when the movie tells us, like, remembers to tell us that he doesn't. Right. Like, he he is, it is pro- It is a problem that he, he has no German affectations. He has no German, like, he has no communication differences of any sort. He he should exist in a in a in a sort of space that exists somewhere between Daniel Holt and the rest of the group. There should be an in between space for him where he can't go to Daniel because Daniel knows that that will be in very very badly for him, and he can't really hang with the boys over in the in the club because they're not going to accept him the way his friend Jack does. If we got right. to see that all the time, the movie would feel a lot cleaner, frankly. Yeah. And yeah. I think that is the that is the that was the and flaw I was. It would have won its ask it would have won its Oscar. It absolutely fucking would. Uh, yes. Because Or at least gotten nominated. But instead so. what we have is a move it, it kind of this is gonna sound really weird and I don't know how else to phrase it, so whatever. You have a sort of kind I don't know like I don't know. Like I'm trying to think of a term that would work, and even the term I was thinking doesn't work. Like he is because the movie con- like occasionally has to remind us that he's an outsider, rather than us just being able to like internalize that. It just fails 
on that front. And so then from derived from that, everything else of his story sort of just seems to fall apart. And that's the reason why Holt's story doesn't feel that way to us. Right. And and that's I think like it's a huge problem. It it's it is yeah. it is a and I think decent story with a huge flaw sort of sitting in the middle of it. They were they were active choices made to make us relate to Jake better as as a white a white audience uh, that I think were were the wrong choices in making the piece of art that ultimately the script wants to be. Yeah, uh, you could yeah. you could in a heartbeat probably remake this movie and just fix that flaw. <laughs> And yeah. probably be fine to like win your Oscar, basically. Like, um, I'm also thinking like the closest we get to that is that the one sort of quote unquote like sort of affectation that he has, that his sort of like cultural element that makes him a different is his response to the way, like, and again, it's so haphazard and not consistent. Like, Jake responds when the violence gets extreme and feels wrathful rather than 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 just fighting for the cause or whatever in a specific way but not enough to actually like make any sort of stand right like at one point he says when they're burning down that store like oh leave her the farm you already killed her husband and like that's the closest we get to like an expression of like what his his enculturation through his family right but it's never strong enough to like feel ever present it feels like it turns on and off. Like Jake will occasionally recoil at the violence that's taking place, but I think even that's a wrong characterization choice. It's not the violence that he should be recoiling against. It's the it 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 is very specifically like the sort of it, that I know what they're trying to do there, and it doesn't a hundred percent work either to tell you that like right. oh he was raised differently or something like that. Yeah, uh, and Jake, Jake and Lawrence having breakfast with Daniel in that little restaurant where he's being very kind to the woman serving them, but uh, even as he saves the lives of her husband and son, is berating them. Is a is a Jake going through a system reboot, right? Right. Uh, he's 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 shut down here. He is he is angry at every male in his sight, uh, with the exception of Daniel, uh, because he knows he knows what has happened around him is wrong and inescapable. Yeah, and and it is it is one of the better scenes in the movie period like the way right. that that goes right. down is is one of the few times where i would argue that tom mcguire's character gets into the realm of the acting gets into the realm of like feeling real right um i think that's fair um yeah uh so so two two little interesting things okay. off of uh off of this movie uh, this is based on a book by Daniel Woodrell, uh, his American novelist, called Woe to Live On. Uh, I know you're a big fan of No Reservation, so you may remember uh, the the not very good Ozarks episode of No Reservations. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Woodrell is the guy who breaks his shoulder 
in the fishing accident. Oh, really? In in that episode of No Reservations. I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so so interesting little connection there. Uh, the other in- interesting little uh, peripheral piece of trivia I found. Uh, Quantrill, uh, in the movie, they, they say he went to uh, Kentucky. Yeah. And uh, generally, he is believed to have died at the age of 27 in 1865 in Louisville. Okay. Uh, there are a couple of claims of his survival. Of course. Uh, As people would do. One of which is very interesting to me. Uh, in August 1907, uh, a uh, news article appeared in Canada uh, and the U.S. from a member of a Michigan cavalry troop who had dealt with Quantrill during the war, uh, who claims that he ran into a man on an island north of Vancouver who he knew to be Quantrill. Huh. Uh, named him as living under the name John Sharp. Uh, claims he recognized him. That man, John Sharp, was murdered by two strangers within a week of the news articles breaking. Huh. Uh, and yeah, nobody nobody could get to him to actually ask him anything because the first two people who made it to him shot him to death and left. Uh, well, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an interesting uh, story for which, sure. Which means there's at least two people who, who, who thought it might be true. Well, I mean, <laughs> and just, well, we, we don't know, but... Yeah. You know, what I will say about that is I kind of am forced to assume that the people who found who shot him also knew what Quantrill looked like. Right, right, like, right, right, right. I, I, it, it's definitely possible that it was just two people who like read that and just and decided to just do right. it. But it's also quite it possible also... that the very same person who made that report went and got a friend and turned around and right, was right. like, well, right. I'm going to go clean up a mess and uh, it's, did it. It's also possible just two randos murdered a guy totally in the possible. Canadian yeah. wilderness yeah. Uh, and had no had no idea who who he was or who he might have been. Yeah, totally uh, possible. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I find that interesting too. Uh, just because uh, that story, that story would involve him have run it, have... Uh, Disappeared to Chile for a few years, uh, and lived lived in South America, which is obviously a you know, a true life thing that happened yeah, to a lot. Is of Is that thing that veterans. also people yeah. did? Yeah, I think I think uh, yeah, a lot of uh, turns out fascists of any era just uh, end up in South America as a as a place they think they can hide. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's weird. Crazy how it works. Yeah, crazy that. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. Quantrill is Lawrence was a terrible thing, uh, and Quantrill is a terrible person. So right, and and and, and yeah. like to be very clear, the movie does a very good job of that. That particular section of the movie is very right. Is very good. The movie it handles it well. Right, the movie wants us to know that it is yeah. not sympathetic and, to. And I think the thing I was talking about at the beginning where I was sort of like when yeah. we first started the discussion where I was struggling to talk about like why I didn't find Jake's story 
Yeah. Didn't feel. I think it's, I think it's the things we identified later on. I right. think that that was yeah. the there's like there was a gut feeling about this feeling yeah. odd, and then yeah. we kind of nailed it down. Yeah, it's much more about his immigrant experience, not not feeling true to life for the time, or yeah, um, or really even feeling yeah. like an immigrant experience because of the right, problems right. we identified. Like it's it, yeah, right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, other than that, though, it's a beautiful movie. I, I, no, uh, I mean, really, because Ang Lee is a very, very good director. Like Ang Lee, like yeah. knows his craft extremely well, and the movie is, barring the flaws is is excellently done it is it's good it's the the visuals are very good very beautiful the, the it's got a very good pacing for for you know like the pacing is like almost i is for a movie that has some flaws that that really set like ruined it for me in some ways like it, it, it is it moves at exactly the perfect pace for itself yeah. it, like you never it's interesting feel like it's interesting you it. say that and and i also feel that uh but so much maybe maybe it was a critical problem in 1999 too of people just having it knowing that they had an unconscious issue with it and not and not being able to figure out what exactly the problem was because there are a lot of critics who uh said it was too slow uh that the pacing was off yeah i don't um, say, i don't feel that at all like i thought the pacing yeah. was great like i i really do I I think it probably is. I think I think that this the problem we've talked about is extremely hard to nail down. Yeah. You have to approach things in a very specific way to get to that result. It took us an hour right, to get right, there. Right, 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 and right. and we, pres- we as far as I can tell had the the right approach to get there. I hope so. Um well I mean I I I feel satisfied now. Like I feel like I now have feel like I have a complete feeling about this movie, whereas before we started talking, I felt it felt like it had weird dangling bits. Uh, and I feel like we've slotted the sort of puzzle piece in there that sort of made them all make sense to me. And I think that like if you're a reviewer and something feels off, you but you can't put your finger on what feels off. You've got like, well, I've got the old standbys. I'll just. <laughs> one of the old standboys yeah. because we do spend a lot of time with Jake where he's not being the the person that we expect and need him to be. Yeah. So if you're identifying that, if you feel yourself identifying that problem in a very long, I mean, like we spend a lot of time before Lawrence, Kansas. Right. Right. Where some of those problems are resolved, like not resolved, but the movie's switches modes and we there's become less of a problem for us right so if you if you regard like well the hour and a half that the movie spends before Lawrence Kansas as being something's wrong here it's pretty easy i think to be like well obviously it must not be paced right or or something's wrong with the design of the film because it doesn't feel right But like I didn't like I didn't find any of the dialogue boring or like wear me right. down or anything like that. Um, yeah, I would say there was there was one aspect of the dialogue that, that wear me down. Uh, uh, in the past, and perhaps even in the archives of this podcast, I have been much more willing to use the N word when quoting someone mm-hmm. uh, in order to accurately quote someone. Uh, 
and perhaps less likely to shudder at its use in I suppose historic contexts. Yeah. Um but here uh and may, uh, honestly one of the points of the movie, I'm sure. Uh we are meant to be to feel abrasion every time. Yes, yeah, Daniel. Absolutely. We are supposed yeah. to we are supposed to regard <laughs> Particularly, this with, our mo- with modern right. sensibilities and like recoil. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um partic- uh, I don't know. I just I could have lived without uh all of these young white actors. Uh, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I yeah, it really bothers me. Le- I mean, again, it's not my. It doesn't really matter if it bothers me, right? Uh, right, 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 right. Uh, it may very well have bothered audiences a lot. Uh, otherwise, I mean, my my take on it is like as soon as you get into the Civil War, kind of like all bets are off. Right, as right, soon as right, you get right, into right. Antebellum South, like all bets and are off. Right, like and it, it's it, just it's it's. One, I, one hopes that they went home and like prayed yeah. afterwards at, or something. <laughs> at, at this point, I believe that that is an acceptable break from reality. To, yeah, I see what you're saying. To, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, I, I know where you're coming from on that. Yeah. Um, I will say this. It is, for us as modern audiences, one of the ways the movie consistently reminds us about Daniel's place in the world. Right. It is, a, and maybe, it is used as a tool here to make sure right. we never forget the way everybody sees him. Yeah. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe maybe the use of Dutchie as Jake's big nickname is meant to do that same thing. But doesn't work for us. But doesn't actually work. I don't know. Maybe Dutchie is meant... But, like, there's such... But also the way they say it feels so, like, playful. And there's just right. so much violence in the way it's said about Daniel. Oh, yeah. That, it's like, an inherently violent and, word. And, but the thing is, is that, like, probably, I, Dutch is probably a failed choice there, but, like, yeah. there is a world where they imbue that word as actors, where they try their hardest to imbue that word with as much vitriol as possible. Yeah. And most of the time, people say it to him as a cute nickname. Yeah. Which does not is not going to fly with the N-word. No, no, of course <laughs> like, not. And like, and, yeah. and, but also like, and so like, it, it it doesn't work that way. Like you and and I I totally get where you're coming from on on the the view of that word in this movie. It's it is a lot. There's yeah. a lot of it. But again, I, I as a tool for making you as an audience member like be very conscious of yes. Daniel's life. It's pretty effective. And it, it, it does provide at least one one golden moment, I think, in Jeffrey Wright's acting. I think Jeffrey Wright is phenomenal in this yes. movie, period. 100%. Um, uh, there's a moment in, in Lawrence where Jeffrey Wright is being threatened uh, right after he's seen the pile of freedmen's bodies. Um, and uh, he's being threatened and... Jake pops up uh, to say to save him, but also say you can't you can't uh, threaten him because he is George Clyde's. Uh, And and there's a look that Daniel gives him when he says it that time. Of of. I thought we were in a position where you wouldn't define me in that way anymore. Right, it's just so much, so much. Yeah, I think look. it's even more subtle yeah. than that. Like, I, yeah. I, 
there's a there's a look. <laughs> as you said, the he is acting is extremely good. Uh, yeah, but part of it is it it has this air of like we we and like maybe we'll read a little bit of our own thoughts into it and stuff, right? Like he both understands what Jake is doing, yeah, but also it hurts a lot. Right, 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 right. Yes, yes, yeah. And that's you know another another issue in Lawrence. The, another issue that Lawrence changes, I think, for 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 Daniel as well, is the recognition that the safety he is buying by living the life he is living is not is not a permanent safety. Right. Yeah. Uh and that's you know the the safety that that Jake's family is buying as well, uh, and that's why you know Jake Jake ultimately goes to California to start over with with his new wife and and their baby who is his best friend's son or daughter rather, whereas. Uh, So Jake, Jake sort of drops out in the family life, right? Right. Uh, whereas, whereas Daniel's takeaway from this and where they where their paths split is that he realizes the way he is living life has been one of self preservation that will not actually preserve even himself ultimately. Right. And as such, he makes the choice to go to Texas. Well, I mean, he makes a, a choice his, to go try to construct family, right. like to go rebuild, right. like right. Like it is still a familial choice, but it's a familial choice that is going to endanger himself. Right, and and outright. and right, and exactly. Jake's is is there is a a looming danger to moving west. Like it, we uh, we all played Oregon Trail in high school or in elementary <laughs> right, school. Right, right, we they all do. Know. They do have to make it there. I guess that's true. But yes. it is it is it is man versus environment. Right. Uh. Daniel Holt is going into another situation of man versus man. Right. Uh, he's making a conscious choice to say, I am going to now, in many ways, there's a kind of reflection of Mackeson in the sense that Daniel now has a internalized ideology that isn't just about loyalty to his friends and like self-preservation, is now about Daniel is now a man with a mission, a purpose, and and is very well aware that that mission slash purpose could get him killed. So in many ways, he is a reflection of, of of Maxon, like kind of a mirror darkly kind of thing, where like Maxon is just going right. off to commit suicide by by, but like has a has a purpose now, uh, whereas yeah. Daniel Holt has an even has a much more strong purpose, but it is a purpose nonetheless that is also probably suicide. Right. But might not right. be. Daniel, it might not be. Daniel Holt is headed into Texas before the end of the war. Yes. And before the end of the war, uh, even after the end of the war, slavery was still being practiced in Texas. Right. Daniel is walking into the lion's den, which yeah. seems very uh, apropos, right? Right. And, well, yes, he is already. I don't know. He's already been in the lions. Well, dude. yeah, but like he is, now he is walking into he is walking into the, the area where all 
everything is just a lion's den. There's right. No, I mean, I guess the difference there's no being escape. that this is a lion. He has been in a lion's den where all the lions he's, are somewhat tamed. Right. And he's now been he's in going to lion's den. He's about to walk the into the lion's country. Yeah. Now the lions he's, are all going to actively try to eat him now. Yeah. Yeah. All of yeah. them. All the time. Uh, and I think that I mean it's a very good end to his story. Like I, I oh a- absolutely. Like I, I said, you know Daniel's Daniel's story ends with a sequel hook. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I, be, I don't. It would be I much more of an active hook, western, yeah. no doubt, if it were to get produced. But yeah, I don't, uh, I don't view it as a sequel hook. I view it as a. No, I don't think anyone wanted right. to make that no, movie, it is, or it is, or had any intention of making that. It is movie. a. We I, need to end on ambiguity because. We Daniel's, don't need to show Dan the rest of Daniel's story. Yeah, right. To get what we need to get out of Daniel's story. Right, 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 right. Yeah, um, yeah. Daniel's story ends with an ellipsis that would be interesting to flesh out, and we can imagine. A well, lot it could of be a very go. good other movie. Yeah, yeah. that Jake's, like, we just Jake's don't story have. ends with an ellipsis where. I I played that video. Game I don't know a lot. Yeah, in I, <laughs> that's great. Uh, good luck to Jake and and uh, and Suli. Um, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, I think we'd probably pull this one. To yeah, a close. no, I'm I'm very satisfied with. I'm glad. This is. It has been neat watching much more recent films in this project. Yeah, but like they felt kind of hit or miss for me. Uh, despite the problems, I think that's fair. I think this is a yeah. hit for me because I there are things yeah. about this movie I'm going to remember for a very long time. Right, right. I think this is a phenomenally good movie. Uh, and again, you know, that is not without qualms, but it's beautiful. Uh, and, it, and boy, it does Emily does... know how to shoot like quote unquote yeah. the West. Right, right. The right. man knows how to make very pretty parts of America look very pretty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To I, I think someone says it. One of the reviews listed on on uh, the Wikipedia page says it, but uh, but to an extent where there's a lot in this that feels almost Terrence Malick in in the way it's shot and the sort of metaphysicalness of of what's happening. And I I kind of get what they're going with that there. I I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder, the cinematographer is uh, Frederick Elms. Um, And he doesn't seem to have any sort of history of of Westerns. Uh, He has a history of of phenomenal movies. But... uh, What else did he he make? uh, He is the cinematographer on Eraserhead. Uh, Valley Girl, um, uh, well, <laughs> oddly enough, uh, King Solomon's Mines, um, but but Blue Velvet, uh, Wild at Heart, Night on Earth. Uh, so we've seen cinematography from him before. Uh, he did the Ice Storm uh, and Ride with the Devil and Hulk for Ang Lee. Uh, he did Coffee and Cigarettes and and uh, Night on Earth for Jim Jarmusch. He did. You know David Lynch, as I've already mentioned, stuff, and uh, and then also 2009's Bride Wars, and uh, <laughs> I mean, I kind of, I kind of can. It sounds crazy, but I can kind of feel 
the through line between something like Blue Velvet and this. Well, this week we have been talking about Ride with the Devil from 1999, directed by Ang Lee. Uh, Next week we'll be talking about... um, How did I lose it? Next week we'll be talking about The Fugitive Kind, Sidney Lumet's 1960 drama starring Brando. So that'll be fun. Um, Yeah. But thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Otar Dorgan. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Ovatari Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at jpatrickdorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening.